0: God loves me. Let me ask you a question and just have you chat about it for a moment. The question is this, who loves you? Think of someone that you can name and say, so-and-so loves me. And then the second question is, how do you know? What has happened? What has he or she done? What has he or she said? And make it as recent as you possibly can. So, no husbands will get away with, um, she knows I love her. I told her when we got married. I told her if it ever changed, I'd let her know, right? But what? who loves you? How do you know? What has happened? What has he, what has she said or done that indicates to you that they love you? All right? Go ahead. So kids as well, you should come up with some good answers for me. Who loves you? How do you know they love you? Go ahead and talk. All right, let's hear some answers. So just call out and I will try to repeat what I hear. So tell me who loves you? What's the answer to that question for a few people? Who loves you? Yes. You're give me an answer. Your mom and dad love you. How do you know? Come and tell us how you know. Mom and dad are on the spot here, right? How do you know your mom and dad love you? Um, They play with me. Um, When I'm sad, they give me snuggles. That's the right answer right there. Good. Good. Who else? Who loves you? Yes. Is it the same answer? Okay. (laughs) Someone else. There's only, there are only two boys in this whole room who have someone that loves them. That's terrible. Nobody loves you, people? Who loves you? Yes? Good. You know, Mika knows his mother loves him because she's always concerned about whether he's being good over here thousands of miles away from home. Good. Someone else? Who loves you? Come on, let's have a spouse somewhere in here. Mary, is that your answer? Well, no. no. <laughs> Misfire on that one. Who loves you, Mary? Love <laughs> you're going to say who? Grandchildren. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you're having a bad day, if you have grandkids, they can fix that in a moment. Right. Good. Who else has someone who loves you? before we turn this into a therapy session and try to deal with the fact that we don't have anyone who loves us. Sylvie. Whoa. Sylvie thinks, knows her husband. There's a slip there. Her husband loves her because he listens while she's complaining. Like, that's a double credit, right? He listens, but listens while she's complaining. Very good. Tell your husband kudos from all of us here. Who else has someone who loves you? Yes. My husband loves me. I know because he laughs with me. My husband loves me. I know because he laughs with me. Good. Not at. Not at. <laughs> Maybe at as well, but certainly with. No, not at. Good. Laughter is a good signal, isn't it? That if you can laugh together, you may be okay. Maybe somebody loves you if you're able to have a good laugh together. Someone else, who loves you and how do you know? Yes? My husband loves me. My loves me because, the good and the bad. because? Because when it's the good or the bad, it for me. Okay. Thanks, Luella. So, Thank yep. So, husband and kids, you do love her? Yep. Oh, she's right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Just checking. Good stuff. So, yes? I love cats. cats. Why? Because I love cats, and it's so much that works. Okay. Thanks, Stuart. Does anybody here love you? Yeah, anybody loves cats. Who, who loves you here? Anybody loves you Sometimes we loves the Fergus. Ah, uh, yeah. The Ferguses certainly do, and so sort do of the rest of us. Yeah. Ah, well, there's a wise son. This is recorded if you want to send the link to your father. Very good. The question, does God love us? Yes. Okay, even though you fight sometimes, your brother loves you. Got it. The right answer to the question, does God love me, is yes. Uh, And what we want to do this morning is just confirm that, because um, if we confirm it with the answer yes, the follow-up question really is, um, why does it turn out that he doesn't do something that I think he could do if he really loved me? So it it comes down to sort of the, the personal question, does God love me? You know, does he love me personally and individually, or does God just sort of generally love the world? We know that that's true from from John three sixteen. God loved the world so much, but does He love sort of a nameless crowd, or does He actually love the individuals? Does He love me individually, and does He love me personally? Um, So we need to, to, to square that away and agree that he does or challenge it and say, no, I don't think he does. I think he has sort of a corporate love affair with the world that as long as I'm one of the crowd that has signed on, yeah, I can claim he loves me. Well, does he love me? Does he know me? Does he know me personally and individually? Does he know you personally and individually? Does he know your name? Does he know your middle name? Does he know those things? So we started by saying that the Bible claims that God actually knows how many hairs we have in our head. So maybe he's just into trivia. But does he know me, the one with no hair on his head? Why does he count those sorts of things? Why is that a metric? I don't know. We have from time to time talked about um, an approach to reading the Bible called Lectio Divina. And it's a very simple approach that in, invites us to read a passage of scripture and to stop when something strikes us, something impresses us. And so I'm going to do that this morning, and then I'm going to talk to you about one more sort of religious practice that we can use to, um, to enter into the truth of God loving us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 139, or most of it, and I want you to listen And we're asking the question, does God love me? Does he know me personally and individually? Does he love me personally and individually? And then a second time I will read it. And I'm going to invite you to slip up your hand when we get to the phrase or the idea that kind of strikes you. And you're going to have to leave everything else alone in the psalm. And say, no, this one thought that I heard the first time you read it, it resonated with me. And with the Lectio approach, what we want to do is read a passage, find the thing that God seems to be impressing us with or speaking to us about, and then just allow that to rattle around in our heads for a while. Come back to it in an hour. Come back to it in a couple of hours. Come back to it this afternoon and think some more about what it means to us. So first time through, just listen to the... um, the message version of 139th Psalm, and then I'll read it again, and we'll be asking for hands. God, investigate it in my life. Get all facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there, then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going, this is too much, too wonderful, I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you find me in a minute. You're already there, waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation! You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. So listen to it now and I'm gonna look down and read. This is about you and just thinking. So when I come to the phrase that has got your attention already, just slip your hand up and then we won't even listen to one another about that. We'll just take a moment and meditate on what verse it is, what uh, phrase it is, what idea it is that has uh, stopped you as you heard this psalm today. I don't know how it is for you, but the, many times I read a passage of scripture and I think there's, there's a phrase I, I've never seen before. I'm sure I've read it, but I've never seen it. And that's often how God speaks, so listen for the phrase or the verse or the word and slip your hand up and say, okay, got it. That's what I'm going to be thinking about. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me, and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you would find me in a moment. You're already there, waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shaped me from the inside and out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration, what a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. So in answer to the question, does God love me, does God know me, Individually, personally, what's the Bible's answer? Yes, an unequivocal yes, right? This psalm is claiming things that are astonishing, right? That the knowledge that God has of me is entire. I mean, he has, he has swept all the way through my life from conception till the end of it, to till, till the number that is the last day that he's ordained for me. He knows everything about my physiology. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm going to say. I can't go anywhere that he can't find me or that he's not watching me. And we kind of catch ourselves on and think, oh my goodness, if that's true, I'm fooling myself most of the time. I think I'm hiding from him. Or as we'll talk next week, I I think he doesn't notice the hard things in my life. Somehow they've escaped his notice. Well, here's the downside of this passage. They don't escape his notice. There's nothing escapes his notice. So what we want to do is labor over the question, what does he do about what he notices? But certainly today, we get to the conclusion that this psalm, along with many, many other psalms and teachings of the Bible, claim that we don't just have a God who set things in motion and then let us go. That's deism. It says uh, God may be the starter or he may be the creator, but he doesn't track what he started. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, oh, my goodness, here's David, the poet, the songwriter, the musician. And as he thinks about everything about his relationship with God, he says, it's it's amazing. It is too wonderful to try to comprehend all of the things that are true about God's love for me, his care for me, his knowledge of me personally and individually. So this morning, we maybe need to just sort of put a check in the box that says God does know me thoroughly. At the moment, he knows everything that I am, everything that I've been, everything that I will be, and he says he loves me. So that's a great place to start. So how do we practice this present love of God? I want to talk to you today, and and we will, over the next several months, try to introduce a few sort of disciplines of the Christian life. So we're becoming more Catholic as time goes on, um, which is kind of a refreshing thing. So what I mean by that is not that we're changing our theology. Please do not leave and say that the pastor in that church just said they're now a Catholic church. Um, But the Church of Christ expresses itself in so many forms, and it is one body. That's the teaching of the Apostle Paul. There is one body, there's one baptism, right? There's only one church. And so it expresses itself in a variety of ways. And throughout the years, the the spiritual traditions of the Jesuits um, have been really, really instructive to us, the whole church, forever and ever. So you may have seen a Jesuit prayer center or um, something referring to Loyola, and all of that is because there is someone whose spirituality we track who's called Ignatius of Loyola, and he lived in the 6th century, so a long, long time ago. And this guy is fascinating. If, if you want to do a study of a, of a character that is pretty engaging, and it's kind of along the lines of what we talked about last week, right? What happened, we said there was a time when we all of a sudden knew that it was true that Jesus is Savior and Lord, and that would change everything for us. We either grew to commit ourselves to that, or we realized that one time. So Ignatius realized it well into his 20s or 30s. He was a soldier. He was a brave soldier. In fact, the legend around Ignatius of Loyola before he was called that was that he used to leave his tunic open, sort of agape, so that people could see his tight-fitting vest around his sword, and he was prone to pick a fight wherever there was one to be had. He had a brother that was a priest, and the two of them got into trouble. They got into legal trouble. They got into trouble with the police. Then this guy, Ignatius, um, who, who was one of the bravest characters you could ever imagine, honestly brave. Um, we don't understand all of the fighting it was going on. It was Italians, it was Spanish people. But anyway, Ignatius was in the middle of it, and he took a cannonball to the leg, right? Who's up for taking a cannonball to the leg? I've threatened people before that it's possible for you to run through a wall, but nobody has wanted to test me out on that. Would anybody take a cannonball to the leg? Some police officer here, would you take a cannonball to the leg? No, no, sir. The other guy would take something else to somewhere else, right? Ignatius, his leg was almost entirely mangled. When they fixed it, um, most of his leg was still poking out somewhere near his knee. And his leg formed up way shorter than the other. So he made a, a routine and, and a contraption that was kind of like being in traction. He hung a cannonball weight on his leg to try to stretch it back out into form. And for months and months and months and months and months, he recuperated. While he recuperated, he came to believe the story of Christ. So this is not, um, you know, this is not a religious person who is just very fanciful and just living in his head. This is a guy who took a cannonball to the lake, thank you very much, lived, was actually carried by his enemies back home because they had enough respect for him that if he was going to take that and still survive, he, he was due some, some honor. So Ignatius trusted in Jesus and he began to read the Bible, he began to read religious articles, and he began the movement known as the Order of Jesus, the Jesuits. And Ignatian spirituality has has come along with us now to inform many of the things that we practice as followers of Christ. The one that I wanna talk about today is called the Prayer of Examen. And it's a very simple prayer. But it's a way that uh, when we put it into practice, it calls to mind regularly the fact that God's loving presence is near us. So what happens to us, what happens to me, and I'm sure to many of you, is we we get these things when we're in church. We, We get that God loves us and that he knows us individually and personally. But then we go back out to work or to home or whatever it is, and... We're not quite sure how to make the connection. And so the daily examine is a way for us to make the connection. It has five components, and they generally show up something like this. So this is usually something that a person would practice at the end of the day, although you could choose any time to do this. But perhaps at the end of the day, it lends itself more fully to this. This is about a 10 or 15-minute exercise, maybe longer, maybe much, much longer. But it begins with this, an acknowledgement of God's loving presence. So that's a, a prayer of faith that says, I am here in this space. I am here in this moment, Father, to acknowledge your loving presence. So Psalm 139 confirms that you are lovingly present in my life. You're lovingly present with me and near me. So after we have sort of settled our minds and settled our hearts, uh, we move into the second step of the examine, and it's to review the day with gratitude. Simply, whether it's lying in bed or in your quiet place or your quiet chair or as you're walking, whatever, it's to look back over the day and to review the day with gratitude. Gratitude to be people of thanks and say, the God who created everything that there is, everything that there ever will be, um, he is lovingly present with me. And as I look back over this day, here are some things that I am grateful for. I'm grateful for my family. Grateful for my job. Grateful for school. Grateful for food. I'm Grateful that I have place to live grateful for my friends and particularly grateful for my one friend who took me out for coffee today and it was just really refreshing and i'm very grateful for that so in what ways was the day that has just passed a day for which i should give gratitude The bible tells us we should be always giving thanks So we ought to be, perhaps above anything else, thankful people. So we begin this discipline by acknowledging God's loving presence. And then we find things in the day for which to give him gratitude. Then these are two words that one particular Jesuit um, mentor uses that, that caught me and helped me to think hard. The step is to recognize a consolation and a desolation. What's the difference? Well, a consolation is to say, in the day that I have just lived, this particular thing was a consolation to me. This was a grace to me. This was a way in which God's faithful presence was welcomed. To me and maybe of five or six or ten things that I'm grateful for boy the thing that made an impact on my heart and soul was this consolation and then the harder part of this is to say in the day that has just passed here was the greatest desolation here is the way in which God's faithful presence God's loving presence either wasn't welcomed by me or by others around me, or by my situation. Um, It's something that tugs at my heart and and says that that was hard, that part of today was a hard thing. Maybe it's relational, maybe it's that today, boy that conversation did not go well with that person. Or maybe it's um, an appointment that you had to keep and you thought the appointment would go one way and it went absolutely the other way and, and you think, Oh, I, I feel desolate in some way. I mean, it, it, it feels as though there's been an assault on my soul in, in that moment of desolation. So the, the, there would be easier ways to characterize these things, but I love the way that writer pitches them and says, there are things that are a consolation. They console me. And there are things that bring me distress. They are the desolation. And then because of that, the practice of the prayer of examines says, here is the desolation into which I need to pray. So maybe it was a relationship, and it did not take a good turn today. Maybe you had hoped that it might go one way, and it just definitely didn't. So what are you going to do? Well, out of the desolation, with God's loving presence, you might say, okay, I'm going to take that point of desolation by the horns. I'm not going to let today become tomorrow and the next day without talking into and praying into that desolation. Maybe it's a relationship that has been sour for years and it has just come along and troubled you one more time. Maybe it's been something that should have been settled somehow or other and it just keeps on Working its way through. And in the prayer of examine, you say, okay, today it is present to my mind that that is the desolation. I'm going to pray into that. And I'm going to look with hope into tomorrow. Because at the end of the prayer of examine, I want to put my head to my pillow and fall into a good restful sleep. If there's something that is troubling me, um, getting to sleep is going to be my own worst enemy. If something begins to stir in my life through the examine, um, it may inspire hope that tomorrow there's going to be an opportunity. And that maybe when I'm talking about the consolation of tomorrow, it might be that that particular thing that was a desolation yesterday is now a consolation because I have tried to live my life as an examined life. Not just try to get through today because that's the best we can hope for. Try to make it till tomorrow to say no, every day is a gift from God and God's loving presence is real in today's day. So, what am I grateful for? What was just given that that's something to be thankful for. What was perhaps the most powerful consolation that came across my path? And then what was the most difficult desolation? And Father, am I willing to press into you with that desolation and tomorrow do something about it? I promise I will. Give me the grace and give me the strength tomorrow. Does God know me? Does God love me? Individually, personally, I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. School's back. Go for a walk and walk past the playground. The squeals and the laughing Somebody's in the middle of all of that. You know who it is? It's God. His loving presence is real among those children in their playing, in their innocence, in their physical activity. Um, Because God made a human family whom he loves, among whom he exerts his loving presence. And we do well to be attentive, and this discipline perhaps as a way that we can be sure that we don't let a day slip by without finding gratitude, without finding consolation and then desolation that gets changed.